Welcome back to part two of the Dean Lewington interview. We rejoin the interview as Carl Robinson takes over as MK Don's manager and Dean talks us through that successful period under Robbo up until this season in League One. He also reveals the best player he's played with and against. Hope you enjoy. Where was we? Uh, yeah, and then like in, with Incy sort of coming back in, it didn't go as as well. Finished mid table, um, and he weren't weren't around for for that long. And then Carl Robinson came in, who, who stayed with the club for quite a few seasons. Um, had some success with you as well. What what was what was Robbo like as, as a gaffer? Because there was always a lot of rumours that he was sort of linked with bigger clubs or as such a lot of the time, and he never. Yeah. Never jumped ship. Yeah, it, it was good. He was it was Incy's assistant. Um, That's right. Yeah. Times, or it was coach the first time, assistant the second time. Um, really good coach, really bright, um, really good in the field, sort of kind of um, forward thinking sort of coach. Um, so when Incy left, Carl come to me and a few of the senior players and said, "Listen, I, I want to put my name in for the job." this is what I see happening in terms of how we want to play and what I want to do. Would you support me if I, if, if, if I put my name in? So uh, we said, yeah, like, you know, what he was saying was good. And, and we said, yeah. Like, so he had the final six games, I think five games of the season. Um, mm. I think we lost four. Yeah. His ideas were good enough to sort of, they gave him a shot. Um, and he was, he was good, Carl. He, he was really good. He was, he's a really good coach. Um, he's one of them managers that says, like, you know, wants you to play. And so the football was always really attractive. But he was one of them that he asked you to do something. And if he asked you to do it and you got it wrong, he would stand by you and say, I've asked you to do it. Because um, there's loads of managers that say, let's do this. And then you get tackled and they're just like, what are you oh, yes, doing that for? Put it in the channel. Or where Carl was, he would take the blame 100% for you. That's and brilliant. It, it built a good trust with the players to play a certain style. Um, yeah, because you're going to respect him in turn for that, you know what I mean? If he's not yeah. just throwing you under yeah. the bus. Yeah, exactly. You come out of the press and just say, yeah, that was my, um, I asked him to do it. And there'd be no problems in training. He'd be like, listen, we'll do it again. We'll try and do it better or we'll try and improve. Um, and so he, he was good. Um, I think he was there six, seven years and we had a few playoffs and you know, eventually managed to get up with him, but we always played like a distinctive style. And, you know, along the way, we, we sort of had some, some quite good moments with him in charge. In that, in that first season, Dean, um, you lost to Peterborough in the playoffs, but there's, there's some players in that, in the first, the first like full uh, year that, that Carl had. Did he, man? Yeah. Uh, Rowan Vine um, George Baldock who's obviously gone on to play Premier League football uh, Adam Clayton and then there was Angelo Belanta was another one that uh, he was like a, a little local kid um, that a few of my mates knew as well and uh, he was touted to, for, for big things um, but there was a name that I come across and I mean you've, you've played with Pele yeah I saw that yeah 
The gro- what was his first name, though? <laughs> I don't know. I just saw Pele. I was like, what no. was he like? I was just going to ask you, what was he like, mate? <laughs> he had about five names, didn't he? And he just went with Pele. Yeah. 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 I think he just sent a half back then when I played him. I don't, he's, uh... yeah, you know, I, no, I don't even remember who that is. Pele. Was his, no. I think he might have been a centre half. I don't, mate. I just saw he had he had loads of names, as Terry said. I didn't even look at him, look him up. I just had to say to him, <laughs> he played with Pele, mate. <laughs> Yeah, definitely wasn't the right one, though. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, so his name, his name, yeah, he was a defence, no, he was a defensive midfielder or a defender. His name was Pedro Miguel Cardozo Montero. Pele. Pele, yeah. I'd have gone with Pele there and all. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wanted yeah. him a contract, the fella. <laughs> but what, what was that like, playing, you know, with with, with the likes of, like, Diddy Haman? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was strange. Um, Did he coach as well? He coached a little bit. Yeah, he come in as a player, um, and we did pre-season together. And you know, he, he wasn't quite. You know, he, he was of a certain age where he was like in the runs. He was quite far behind and stuff. And you're thinking, uh, will he actually play? Um, I think he played like five, six games for us, and he was like, he was unbelievable at reading the game. Like obviously. Sounds a bit silly, but he he, he read. He made so many interceptions. Yeah. Um. He just didn't. Obviously, at his age, just Legs in terms of like running and stuff. He and I think after about five six games, I think he felt like he was. He, he didn't really want to do what he was doing to himself. You know, he had a, he had a great career. And I don't think he really wanted to end it like it was going. Um. And so he moved into sort of the coaching side of things. But um, he was a top bloke. To be fair, a really good lad. Like he was got stuck in with us. Um. Loved the bet, loved the gamble. He was always like he was like glued to the screen for the horses and and, and whatnot. But he was um, for someone that had won what he won. He was he was like a good teammate and yeah. sort of made himself one of the boys. Sort of thing. That's brilliant. Probably, yeah, love Diddy Hammer and like obviously he's never played for a team I support whatever. But he's always one of them. I think everyone liked him, didn't they? It was, yeah, yeah. Until, he, until he scored against Seaman. <laughs> 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 what I mean, what what a thing to say that you scored the last goal at the old Wembley. You he know? did, yeah, yeah, bastard. Yeah, I don't like him actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, and the the first couple of seasons under Carl Robinson, you finished both seasons. You finished fifth and lost in the playoff semi final. Um, yeah. So no luck in the playoffs at all. No, thanks, and then um, that the next year after that, 2012-2013 season, you had your first meeting against. AFC Wimbledon in the FA Cup and 1-2-1 what was the build up to the game like and what, what was the game like as well it was really strange um, I think the season before we were due to play them we had Stevenage in a a replay of a cup game and if we won we'd, we would have got them and I think I think they chucked one in in like the last minute of the game and then they won on penalties um, so it had been coming like They've been yeah. moving through the leagues and you felt like it was going to happen. Um, it was strange. It was quite a big build-up for the game. Like we had a press conference um, you know, for about four or five days before the game. We were doing like cameras at the training ground and you know, everyone wanted to do interviews. And, and it was quite a big build-up for an FA Cup first round or second round, whatever it was yeah. at the time. Um, I remember it being a big deal. Like Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite strange. Um, and the, the game, like we, we normally just drove to the ground, but police said that we couldn't drive to the ground. We had to go and like, get bust in. And it, it was all a bit strange, really. And um, a lot of it as a player, you just sort of 
you don't really get involved with it. Like, you know, I think the fans are doing whatever they want to do. It's, it's not really interest me to get involved in that sort of side to so sort of worry about the football but the, the game was pretty pretty crap to be fair it was it wasn't a great game it was uh, overhyped for what it was yeah like there was no like, everyone was so aware like I think everyone wanted like a big meaty tackle or something but I think both teams were a bit wary about either getting someone sent off or yeah and so it become a bit of a bit dull and a bit nothingy really and then um it looked like it was going to go to extra time or penalties or whatever it was at the time. And then uh, we scored in like the last minute, I think it was. Um, and the place just erupted and it was just like, just that feeling of like relief and the whole week of build up to the game and everything that sort of happened and stuff. And so it was a good ending and sort of uh, a nice way to finish the game. But the actual game and the stuff around it was, wasn't great. Yeah. And that, that season, mate, um, you finished eighth in the league, I think it was, and you was exposed. You probably knew about him anyway, obviously being in the club. But that that was the first season that Delhi was exposed to the world, mate, like in, in football league and that. Um, what was, what was he as that? lazy as Jose says? Yeah, <laughs> that was one. That was one part of the question. Was he as bad in training? But I mean, what was that like to see him? Obviously burst on the scene right then, being so hungry um, and then obviously just take it by storm, really, at that age. Yeah, he'd been with us, he'd been training with us since he was like 15, Del. So, like, he'd kind of been around it a long time. Um, and the all young players, like, you know, you break in and you have a couple of games where you're brilliant and then it drops off and... Um, in that season, at the start of it, you know, when you're a young player, you kind of get, you know, I think you were playing left wing at one point. Like they went to play him, but there wasn't, he wasn't quite ready for centre midfield. Mm. And so he got chucked on the wing or he got chucked somewhere else. And I mean, there were times when he was truly terrible. They got dragged at half time at Carlisle away. Like just, he got dragged and Carl come in and hammered him. And so I'm taking you off. And Dell was just like, well, I'll do it then, take me off. And uh, he was like, oh, I will. He, he took him off. I'm sitting there like, Del, you're 17. Like, yeah. just be quiet. And Del was just there, <laughs> going, take me off then. Like, don't moan at me. Just take me off. And he dragged him. And he went in the squad for like three games and then <laughs> come back. And in the back end of that season, we had a boy called Stephen Gleeson. Uh, used to play for Wolves. Uh, Irish international. Beat him, played for Birmingham for a little bit. And then a few other teams. He was, he was a really good player. Gleeson got injured about February time. And he just said to Del... I'm going to play you centre midfield and you're going to play until the end of the season and I don't care what you do, what happens, how many mistakes you play, you're going to play every week and this is, you know, your chance sort of thing. And Brilliant. He came in the team and he scored, uh, I think he scored a hat-trick from midfield after about four or five games and he, every single game he just got better and better and you kind of felt like he, he'd kind of grasped it now. Like he, he'd sort of had his bits in the team, he'd been bad and been back and had to wait again and then now he was sort of emerging and then the start of next season, the year we went up, the two, 2014 season, he was just like a different kind of animal. He'd come back in pre-season, unbelie- like, unbelievable. His running is incredible and you just knew that you had a different kind of player on your hands. and Started filling and, out and all. Yes, he's, He's, he's bigger than you know. He's, he's like six three, though. Yeah, he's, he's a big boy, isn't he? He's big. He's quite skinny. You don't realize how tall he is, but he's 
he's a big kid and you don't realize how he can run at like four fifths pace forever. It's the most disheartening thing in the world. Like he just, <laughs> his, his top speed is not incredible. He'll smile running past but you. Then, yeah, the run below it, like if you did a five minute run, he could set off a, a really good just below a sprint and he could just run at it forever. And he just, he used to just run past people in training, like doing laps around him. And it was just like, the season before, he was, he probably could do it, but he felt like he didn't want to do it because he was probably a bit too young to be lapping people. Uh, the season after, he was, he was like, he was gone for it. And he, he was just, physically, he was just on a different level to everyone. Um, and it was, it was only really a matter of time really before someone, someone sort of uh, took him. Yeah. Um, you got got to say that's a bit of a stroke of genius from Robbo as well, giving him that freedom to say you're playing till the end of the season because the confidence that must give him to try things. Yeah. As well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, I mean that was one of them like he didn't I mean that's half his half his genius and half his problem is that when I say he doesn't care, I don't mean it like that, but he will try things and if he gets it wrong, he doesn't he doesn't sort of went down to his shell. He was like, "Give me, give me the ball. I'll do it again." Yeah. Um, which I think at the moment is kind of certain managers don't like that, and the way he's play a certain way, where he he would just keep doing that sort of thing. But Carl done really well in the fact that I mean, Carl said to me when he was sixteen, "This kid's gonna play for England," um, and he Carl really believed in him, and I think Del sort of needed that that sort of arm around the shoulder and a bit of love. Um, He's not one of them people that he doesn't react well to a bollocking or like go and prove me wrong. That's not his character. He needs the other way. He needs that sort of I believe in you and you know I'll back you if if things go wrong. And uh, you know, he, he, he's he's done very well up until then. You know, obviously he had a bit of a dip this year, but he's he's um, he's done amazing. Well, yeah, having a manager who's going to fucking yeah. cunt you off in the press every two seconds probably don't help. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Jose. <laughs> There's a couple of other players as well, mate, um, from that season that obviously Terry would know very well. Smudge. Um, Not him, and, Patrick and, Ranford. Yeah, no, no. I was going to get the paddy. I was going to get the paddy. But I mean, the original, the original uh, Smudge. And and Paddy, yeah. What were, what were they like? Great to be there. They're both um, Smithy. I love Smithy. Uh, got him really well with him. Um, totally different to what I thought he'd be. Um, he's quite like a um, quiet fella, isn't he? Really quiet. Yeah, he's, he's quiet. He's a bit like a bit of a skater boy. Really like he's big. Very, he's uh, BMX, isn't he? Because he, he could have gone pro in that. Yeah, yeah cross trainers or that kind of stuff. Cross trainers, X cross uh, bikes, and motocross, and all that. that. Yeah. Um, doesn't drink. Um, I can believe it. When he first came, I said, like, we can go for a beer. And he said, I'm, I'm teetotal. And I was just like, oh, like, bad experience. And he said, no, I've never, never touched the stuff. And I've, I'm thinking, really? like, he sees Patone on the pitch, you think he's going to be like this Nothing. drinker. And, yeah. yeah. And, but you're from Leeds, mate. You've never had a drink. Yeah, totally, I know. <laughs> that's, like, that's like Milner, though, as Milner, well. Isn't it? Same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was, um, he was a really good lad. Um, just loved football. Um, just loved being part of a group and... Um, you know, he played at a really good level and, you know, he, he had a really bad ankle injury. I think his, his ankle mobility was about 40% less in his left ankle, I think it was. Fucking hell. Which, yeah. which hampered him a lot. Um, but he just wanted to be around it and um, 
really good lad, to be fair. He was really good. And, and Pat was Pat was the same. Pat was... He scored a lot of goals that year, didn't he? Pat scored a lot of goals. He was, he was a really smart footballer. Even when he first came in, he could tell, like, a really clever player. Um, he was just a little bit different. You know, he, he wasn't your typical footballer. Like, the way he carried himself and the way he was, was just, it was quite funny that he just, you know, football was quite rough and ready. And He's quite well-to-do, isn't he? He's very well-to-do and very... Yeah. Not hidden in the clouds, but he's just uh, <laughs> he's just got a certain way about him. Just it's just quite funny, but he's he was a tough because he come in, he, he was very good, but he, he would rub you up and look a few of the lads a bit the wrong way, um, and a few of the boys tried to you know, give him a boot and and he stood up for himself, um, which was quite impressive. He was only like nineteen at the time, you know, a few of the lads like training tried to tackle and stuff, and he he would just bounce off you and just look at you and. And carry on, sort of thing. Not that I, not it wasn't me. I liked him, but uh, a few of the boys that did it, uh, he, he stood up for himself, and it was. You kind of felt like, yeah, I don't mind that. Like, sort of got a bit of doubt, yeah. Yeah, because the way because he was so well to do, and you know, he spoke nice, and he, you know, it, it, just the way he was. I think people thought he was a bit of a pushover, and a yeah. bit, but he wasn't. He had he had character, and um, I'm, I'm really pleased to see to see him doing what he's doing. To be fair, because. I mean, he done really well for us, and he's a, he's a nice kid. Yeah, like he's he's shown a bit of that sort of throughout, even at his time at Leeds when he first came in, when we brought him in from from Borough, he had a bit of success at Borough, and he had dips in form at Leeds where he he would go quite a few games without scoring, and he was missing a lot of chances and that. And there were sections of the fans that were getting on his back, like albeit majority of them were online a lot of the, the people in the ground weren't getting on his back because you could see the work that he's doing yeah but again he showed character he just didn't give a fuck he was like I'll, I'll show you lot yeah you know I mean and and look at him now the guy like he's on the verge of England um, yeah and I, I don't think he's far off getting a call up to be fair no I don't think in a weird kind of way like the Premier League actually suits him rather than he's better in the Prem because yeah, yeah. It's, it's more You've got to use your brain and it's, it's little movements rather than the championships a bit more hurly-burly and that kind of suits Pat a bit more. Um, he's a very intelligent Pat. player. Like He's really good, yeah. And, and to be fair, my, my best mate's a Leeds fan and so you know we should speak about it. You know, he used to criticise him quite a bit as well. He'd, you know, he'd be like, oh, he's missed his chance and he'd done this and if we had, if we had someone different plan up front, we would have scored whatever. And so to, to sort of done what he's done and prove everyone not wrong but to sort of maybe turn a few heads and like I said it does show Pat really like he's got that steely character and um, yeah. resilience yeah. good for him, which is which is nice oh, I, lo- I love the guy absolutely adore him I think he's amazing I'm buzzing <laughs> how he's doing mate I freaking yeah top drawer old Paddy <laughs> you ain't got his number have you <laughs> <laughs> just get on the run <laughs> um and then at the end of that next season, it seems fucking years ago, mate. You you had a testimonial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, do you know? um, was it against Forest? Forest, yeah. Was it sort of because obviously a lot of testimonials tend to be pretty much at the end of someone's career, really? A testimonial yeah. was that? A, was it a different sort of ball game? Was it more of a, a proper football match against Forest? Yeah, it was. But I, I, I didn't really want it. It was, I'm not like, I don't want any attention on me, sort of, that's how I am, sort of thing. And it was really unsettling. They said to me, you can, you can have a testimonial. Um, and everyone says to me, like, you, 
take it because if you contract in a year's time and they don't want you, you can't then go back and do it. So there's like yeah. you've got to sort of take it while you're while you're in contract, otherwise it could be too late. Um and just waiting Milton Keynes in, like know if you was at Leeds and you did a Leeds eleven versus an ex Leeds eleven, you would get a full house and everyone would enjoy that. But Milton Keynes is there's not enough players and there's not enough <laughs> you were their longest serving yeah, in both teams in what you're trying to do to achieve that. Um so I didn't want to do it and I and then I spoke to Carl and I said, listen, let's just let's just do it against the team and we'll just use it as a pre-season game and just call it a testimonial. Um it was supposed to be against Leeds originally. Uh Brian McDermott. Oh yeah. Uh, season four had said yes, and then he got the sack in the summer. Oh. Um, and I can't remember who took over, and it was just like it just got a bit complicated. And we said they said no. And then funny enough, um we contacted Forrest and Stuart Pierce was in charge at Forest. And to be fair, they were they were great. They um I didn't realise that when you do a testimonial, you have to I can't make any decisions. It has to be done by a committee for you. Um, so yes, get this committee. Um, it's, it's really technical and it's really hard to do. Um, basically, you cover everyone's costs, no matter what, of the game. So Forrest's bus down, you have to pay for their food, travel, whatever it is. You you have to cover the entirety of the costs. Right. Um, and Forrest, they were brilliant. Both um, the peers and he said, "Listen, like we'll we'll do our own stuff. Um, no, don't." spending link on us like we make our way down and blah 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 and you know they they, they were great they done everything and more than than what they needed to do really and they, they sort of made it a, a lot easier for me and um yeah they, they were they were first class with, with with doing that and um compared to Carl who had six hundred pounds worth of sandwiches in his office <laughs> <laughs> I suppose though with with um with obviously our first question, like your hero, like Stuart Pierce, I suppose that was a nice touch as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was weird how it works out sometimes. It's um, mm. you know, he, he got there and we had a little chat in the pitch before the game and stuff, and um, a little bit surreal, sort of talking to someone he looked up to, and mm. you know, and he'd been quite complimentary about you. It's quite, it's quite nice sort of thing. But um, yeah, he was, he was great, and uh, Forrest were, were brilliant, and it was, it was just a. Uh, it was an awkward day. It was something I didn't really want to do in terms of, you know, you have to walk out of the tunnel by yourself. It's just like, yeah, all those kind of stuff where you don't really want to put yourself in there, but it worked out okay. It was a, it, it, was, it was a pretty good day. Yeah, that's quality, mate. And then the next year, you end up, you, you finally got to the championship, mate. Finished second, got your promotion. Uh, in that same year, you, you lost to, to AFC Wimbledon, actually, in the, in the Football League trophy. But you beat Man United in the in the League Cup, bashed them four nil. Oh, oh Will yeah. Griggs on fire! Your defence is terrified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what was that experience like? It's got to be sort of like the biggest scout for, for MK Dons um, at the time. Do you know what I mean? So, what what was that yeah, feeling, like, feeling like winning that? Yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was, it was probably one of the most surreal nights I've, I've ever been involved in. Really, it was um, obviously you draw Man United and you. The whole place is is going mad. Um, <laughs> it's sold out in a couple of hours. Like everyone's trying to get there, and you have this massive build up. And then before the game, you're thinking, "I, I don't want to be embarrassed." Like you get that kind of the fear kicks in of like, oh, "We could lose this ten nil." That's like, yeah, quite easily. And, 
you know, he's not thinking, oh, God, are we going to embarrass ourselves on TV and, and whatnot? <laughs> um, and they had a, a mixed team. They, they, they dropped, they didn't have their big, big hitters, but they had you know, De Gea and Keane, who plays at Everton now. Chicharito um, was playing, wasn't he? Was really the World Cup front. Uh, Yaz and I, uh, the little boy Kagawa in midfield that was still yeah. there. Um, so they had enough players that you thought, yeah, oh, this is going to be a tough one. Um, but it, it, just, it just went perfectly. Like they, I think Van Howard taken over and he slowed down their pace in play massively. And the one thing when you step up the levels is that, that you struggle with is, is the pace of play, like how quickly they can play at. And they were playing really slowly and it just allowed us to, to sort of contain them. And we took took our chances and the night we, we sort of we done well that we, we sort of scored and then towards the end they sort of uh, they, they went just all over the shot they think they were just sort of they knew what was happening and they, I think the harder they tried the worse they'd become sort of thing but I remember looking at the scoreboard and like 89 thinking could we still lose this at 4 nil? like they start thinking <laughs> if they score one could they get two and then like would you be hanging on and then uh, the last two or three minutes you actually think no, no, we're actually going to beat them now. It was um, it was incredible to be fair. You know, to win against Man United is inc- would be is would be enough, but to beat them four 0 was was yeah. just yeah, it was just that's uh, not beating that. That's an absolute trouncing, mate. To yeah, be honest, hands down, mate. But it, yeah, it was. I think it was strange because like it's sold out. So obviously we don't have thirty thousand fans. Um, <laughs> when, when we scored the first goal, I would say maybe forty percent of the crowd. Cheered the first goal because um, obviously there were so many Man United fans in the crowd. Uh, second, about sixty, and then by the end, the ones that had come to watch as a Man United fan, but were from Milton Keynes, or they kind of half thought, "Let's just go with MK. over." Yeah, uh, yeah. And so when we scored the fourth goal, apart from the four or five genuine Man United fans in the way, and the whole ground erupted, and it was a really weird game in terms of. We sort of gained fans during the game. Like, you know, with, but the United show off. Yeah. They got the <laughs> Classic Man United fans, glory hunting. They're winning. I support them. It was really strange. It was great. Um, you know, I got to meet Giggs in the tunnel before the game, like doing like the refs down to the restroom, like having a little chat with Giggs on the way down. Just the whole persona of Man United, and you know, you know every one of their players so well because you watched them for years and stuff. So it was. It was, it was incredible to, to play against them and to do well. Do you, like what you said there about Van Hal, like slowing down the play and what, with him being such a, like the calibre of manager that he was and everything, surely he would have known that that would have suited you like as a team and, and he, he should have set up surely different, like I know hindsight's a, a magical thing, but he should have known, shouldn't he? Really, that that would suit you lot down to the ground. And if if they had just, as you say, played at a bit more pace, then they might have played you off the park. Yeah, no, that, I mean the first ten minutes, they they did like the first five minutes they come out of the, the gates and I mean, they, had a, they had a half decent chance and we were looking around at the corner thinking like Jesus, like this is gonna be this is gonna be tough. And then I don't know if like they just lulled themselves into playing a certain way. Um, I gather his background, you know, on the continent and Holland, yeah. that is kind of their, you know, whenever you watch their football, that is how they play. It's, it is very technical. And I'm not even sure whether he, he 
you thought a third third tier team was that good. Yeah, you probably assumed like, you'd be terrible. And well, yeah, I think like you know, in Holland, maybe the, I don't know what their third tier is like, but I wouldn't Absolutely. assume it's as strong as as our sort of thing. So um, I don't know if he was caught off guard a little bit. Um, that or you know, for us, it's the biggest game of our lives. For the main United players, they probably don't really want to be there. Like you know, there was lots of different factors that help you if you can if you can sort of survive that first 15, 20 minutes sort of onslaught. And um, in the end, it, it sort of worked out. Worked out really well. Yeah. Believably well. Yeah, fucking just a bit. <laughs> and then, like we said, you, you got up into the championship. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, it didn't go well. You ended up coming straight back down. Was the was it just a step too far for the team maybe too soon or did you not have the squad for it maybe? Or? Yeah. We, we lost, out of our team that went up, we lost, uh, lost Delhi. We lost uh, Benneke Fobe and we lost Will Grigg. Um, I think that was something like 65 goals out of out of the team went. Yeah. And so we had, our championship team was, was, was weaker than our League One team. Um, Mad, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if we'd have, if we'd have kept that team, we'd have finished mid-table. Because um, like we, we played, like, when we played you at our place, we played reasonably well and we sort of, and then at your place, we scored a known goal of, I don't know if you remember it, about a minute to go. Casey scored a known goal. He was winning 1 0. Oh, yes, I do remember that, yeah. And he tried to read it to his right and he hit it to his left. That's <laughs> it, it, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like, no, we, we had, had moments of like, we, we wasn't sort of battered every week. Like, we played well, but we just missed one or two players, which was the ones that, the unfortunately, goal. yeah, that left us. Um, and I suppose, in a way, I, I don't think. The jumping golf is massive, but the step up from the championship is is a reasonable step. But in terms of finance, is a huge step. Massive, yeah. Um, and so I think the chairman was a little bit surprised that the next level of player, even though he wasn't much better than what you had, would cost maybe five times as much as a League One player. Um, I don't think they wanted they were they didn't pay it, and. Ultimately, you need that step up. Even though it's only a small one, it's you, you do need that caliber of player. You need to step up yeah. and play. You can't you can't get away with it. Um, but we, no, we was we wasn't in the relegation zone until until March. We done pretty well and we we was doing okay. And in the end, we just got injuries and we sort of just in the end we just sort of floundered a little bit. But um, I'd like to think that if they have put a little bit more money into it, that we that we'd have had a a reasonable chance of, of, yeah. of staying up. You you had um, you had a few players in that squad like who'd been around like Matty Upson, um, Johnny Williams was one I wanted to ask you about because obviously he suffered a lot of injuries, but he's still you know he still gets the international caps and stuff like that for Wales and that now. And obviously I think he he might have sorted his injuries out a little bit now, but like he he was. He's a good player, but he's just obviously suffered, isn't he? Yeah, he's one of the players. He's a bit like he's kind of like a, a wheelchair player where he runs and passes it late. Yeah, and he's, he gets tackled a lot and fouled a lot. Um, he, he sort of encourages that he plays right, he sort of sucks you in and plays. And then, so I think a lot of his injuries were free kicks and just sort of taking his toll on him. Um, yeah. But he, he was a good player, to be fair. He, he was a really good player, and um, we had. Josh Murphy, 
Um, yeah, he scored a lot of goals, didn't he? Yeah, he done really well for us. Um, played really well, and unfortunately, like uh, with Matt, he got injured really on early in the season, and I think we only got like five games out of him. But we could have really done with that. Yeah, that, just a player that yeah. played at that level, sort of just to help us. But he just had he just had injuries, and we just, we just couldn't get him fit or or around it enough to really sort of have any any sort of impact on us. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, and then. Back down into, into League One, Carl Robinson ends up leaving. Um, Robbie Nielsen came in and then you ended up getting an, another relegation the year after that, back down in, into League Two. Um, and I'm not too sure how to pronounce his name. Is it Dan Machichi? Dan Machichi, yeah. Machichi. <laughs> so he, he came, in, came in as manager and there was a time during that season that you was uh, a player coach um, alongside him. What, yeah, it was that. How, how did that come about? Did did the club approach you for that, or? Well, I, I'd fallen out with Robbie. Um, right. So I had, from October till till January, so we got sacked. I was training with Charlton with uh, with Carl at Charlton. Um, so I fallen out with Robbie, um, and he he basically said, "I don't, I don't want you at the training ground. Um, if you want to train." Then you've got to train at like half five and not bring the kids into training with you at half five, but you're not mixing with <laughs> first thing. So, I was, you know, I didn't want to bring the kids in at half five just to train with me. So I said that I'd find something different, end up training with uh, with Charlton, with Carl. And during that time, they were sort of floundering and like losing games. And uh, and Dan was going through a lot of the games. Watching, he used to be in the academy, brought through Delhi and quite a lot of the, of the boys had done well um, and he was saying that he was, he was speaking to Pete and that Pete wanted to go back to more the MK way Robbie was a little bit more direct and sort of a bit more long ball than, than what we'd ever been and so he said like if it, if it goes badly I think I might be getting a job like would you come back and play and I was like well, of course I'm contracted of course I'd come back like <laughs> <laughs> The geese just banned me, like, you know, I'm allowed back, I'll come back. Um, so I go back when they eventually left, they give it to Dan and they said, You can come back and train. And I'm sitting in an office and they said, With with Dan and Keith, Keith Millen, who's the assistant, and they said, uh, You have to go and do a picture out on a pitch. And so I was like, All right. And so they got up and they said, Oh, you're coming as well. And I was like, All right. And then we stood out there and then they gave us a scarf and the three of us are holding the scarf. And I was just like thinking, why am I, why am I here? Like, I couldn't understand why I was stood holding the scarf. No signing. And they said, they said, oh, player coach or player, whatever I was. I, I, I didn't know nothing about it. I, I, I'd never once mentioned coaching. I never once mentioned anything of the sort. And so I was, when someone said to me, oh, we're going to announce that you're a player coach. I was, I was just like, why? Like, I've never... I don't want to... We, we got back in the room and it was me, Dan and Keith and Keith said, do you, do you want to coach? And I said, no. And he said, right then, go, go and have a change room. I said, all right. And I walked out and I never took one session or <laughs> uh, involved in any decisions or I don't know why or how I ended up getting that title, but... Um, how weird. It wasn't discussed with me and it wasn't, it wasn't something I agreed to. So it was a... Uh, I think maybe a cross wires or or something. I, I don't really know why that that happened, but yeah, it was, it was a strange 
It's the same situation. That is bloody all like really strange, isn't it? He, he must have thought that phone call with you was. <laughs> yeah, just as a coach. <laughs> yeah, do you fancy it? Like you think, yeah, obviously, you got playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a strange. Uh, yeah, it was strange. Like, I mean, he was kind of the same. Like you know, he was like, "You got to choose," and I was like, "Well, I definitely want to be a player." And he was like, "Well, you, you should be in it." And so I was like, well, I'm, "I'm happy not to be," but it was just a bit strange that I got, I got in there for the photo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really odd one. Um, and then uh, Paul Tisdale came in following that and you went back up into League One, um, finished third um, and, and got automatic promotion. And then going into sort of last season, what was what was the whole fit like feeling around, around the place when COVID-19 happened? Um, because obviously it's something that you, you couldn't have planned for sort of this, the season got scuppered and you ended up surviving based on the whole points points per uh, points per game system. Was there a lot of worry around it at the time as to what's going to happen with the, with the future of the, uh, of the club, the future of the, the season? Are you going to have to play it out? Like, will they come up with a system that will maybe relegate you? Like, yeah, well, initially we 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 just thought we'd be off for two weeks. Um, so that's what they said. Like you know, you're off for two weeks now. Um, we got given like a training program, so we was we were training at home, but we were training hard. Like we were doing lots of runs. We had to send the runs in, and there was the feeling was that we'd be back sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, and then as it progressed, you kind of you know the news was getting more and more severe, and you're thinking. Like we're not going back, and then um, the complications around that. Obviously, are we going to play? We're we not going to play. And um, I, me, and boy with Alex Gilby, he was vice captain at the time. We was involved in a lot of the discussions with the chairman and and Russ at the time to sort of what's going to happen in the future. And sort of in like April, May, it was, it was pretty like pretty severe. Like you know, they were talking about maybe 15, 20 clubs going under. Yeah, um, it, was, it was really quite worrying, and it was just like you know, we don't think we're going to have to pay you. Um, you have to take uh, not not like at first it was wage deferrals, but then it was going to be you have to take wage cuts um, and all this kind of stuff, and it's become really become really serious really quickly in terms of your career, your finances, your you know, everything really. Like what's going to happen? So it, it was it was really strange and. We knew that we'd be fine because straight away we got, they did this, that point per game and we was always not in the relegation zone. So we always felt confident that we right. wouldn't be in trouble that way. But um, you know, speaking to other players that played for different clubs, you were sort of getting a feeling that a lot of clubs were struggling and they were trying to do a few dodgy things in terms of paying people and stuff. And it was just a little bit unnerving really in terms of you know, what's going to happen. And Cold, yeah. Especially for the boys, you know, some some lads obviously lucky to have two year contracts, three year contract. Some lads were up in June, oh. so it was kind of well, you know, where does that leave me? Do I get do I get paid? Do I not get paid? Like if we don't start the season until December, what do, what do I do for six months in yeah. between? Would the, would the club step in and give you the contract? Or and so it, you know, a lot of worry and a lot of just uncertainty, which I'm I'm sure is pretty much for everyone in the country really in in whatever job there was that kind of just. Mm not really knowing where where you are 
Yeah, it's a strange situation, mate. Obviously, touch wood, we're sort of coming out the other end of it now. Um, but you, you've had to play this whole season as well. Um, but like behind closed doors as such with, with no fans. Um, again, how, how sort of weird is that, adjusting to, to having no one? It's, it's, it's rubbish, to be fair. You can't say it any other way. It's, it's, um, when we first went back, you were so pleased to be back playing football that you were just like, it's, it's great. Like we're, we're playing and, you know, it doesn't matter what, like it's just, let's just play football. And then it soon become very, very weird. Like it's, the game yeah. is strange. Um, atmospheres are just, just, it's just so depressing in a way. Um, that whole echoing as well, isn't it? Echoing, you set up at a game, like, get the, it feels like a pre-season game every game. You just turn up, there's no one there. Uh, we have changed in some of the weirdest places you've ever seen. <laughs> like we've, every bit of the stadium that you didn't know existed, we're like, we've made Ipswich the other day and they put us on the fourth floor executive lounge um, with stairs, no lifts. So we had to walk every time we went down to the pitch with, <laughs> in our boots, 50 yards behind the ground on a concrete floor in your studs, up four flights of stairs. And it, you know, like it's, it's just then yes, they have port showers and that's you know, tactics that though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's just the whole experience of of the game. Yeah, it's not what stairs. you're used it's to. It's not the same. It's, I mean, I, I think it's fans as well. Like it, it must be the same watching on the TV screen. It must be a little yeah. bit disheartening. It's just, um, it's just not ideal. I know it's the best that we can do, but it, it kind of feels like a, a lost season in a way that definitely. You know, I feel I feel sorry for the teams that are going to get promoted, and yeah. they they're going to lose out on you know that euphoria of the last day celebration and and all the stuff that goes with it. And you know, like for yourself, like back into the Premier League, you know those games. Like my mate, big Leeds fan, like desperate for the Man United game, desperate for you know all these kind of games, and you, you just it's just so sad that people can lose out. Yeah, it is really it's it's um it's not ideal but nah. It's, it's, I suppose it's the best you can do, I suppose, but it's just yeah, it's just not ideal. Well I was I was talking to a mate of mine today, he's a Leeds fan as well, and we were talking about sort of getting back in and can't wait to go again. And we was exactly what you were just saying there, feeling sorry for the people that sort of get promoted and things like that. We we was looking at it on sort of the players' point of view, because we've got a guy, Pablo Hernandez, who's been there, he's a, he's a he's a legend at Leeds. And he's coming to the end and chances are he'll be moving on back to Spain at the end of the year. And we were saying he spent four or five years sort of trying to get us back to where we, where we want to be. He got there. He scored the goal that sent us up. It's such a massive thing back in the Premier League. And he's had no yeah. celebration. Like, mm. And then at the end of the year, like I, I was saying, they've got to do something where they sort of try and get everyone in and do like a one-off like game or something with the, the team that went up and won the league to sort of because there's players there like Ben White for example he's gone back to Brighton he's, he's won the league with Leeds and never got a celebration out of it like yeah yeah it's killer, it's so, um, like David Silver at Man City yeah you know he's, he's just he's just left and it's just like like you said maybe they may first game of the season next year they might get people back and have a little parade before the game like, you, just, you just feel that people do deserve Something, you know, it's, it's got to be something, isn't there? It's like us as well. It's like, you know, 
Klopp said there will be a party, but fuck me, when's it going to be? <laughs> and that's the thing with the players that have like sort of gone, and like Barry Douglas was at Leeds, he's playing for Blackburn now. Are Blackburn going to allow him to sort of come and be a yeah. part of that? Are, are Brighton going to let Ben White come and be a part? Of, do you know, it's sort of, yeah. but it, they need to be there because they're part of it. You know, it's it's a really yeah, it's just it's it's just really sad that you know some players might only get one promotion in their career. And that's it. And, yeah. yeah, you want the fans on the pitch, and you want the party after, and you want everything that goes with it. And it's just, it's just, um, it's just so sad that from both sides, from the players and fans' point of view, that you yeah. just don't get to, to, to have that. What, what's it like? Um, obviously, being able to hear like on on a normal game before COVID, could you hear everything that the opposition was saying and managers were shouting out instructions and that? Could you hear that perfectly, or was the crowd uh, like overpowering? And what and what about the goals now as well? Like the city, yes, you're scoring a goal and whatnot, but you know you probably just give each other a little high five and it's back because the crowd's not there to you know give it one to the crowd and all that. Like, yeah, what's that like at the minute? It's- I mean, when you're playing, you do block out a lot of the noise anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like a lot of the noise is it's almost background noise. So you are you are aware of the pitch noise. Yeah. Um, but you, do, yeah, I think when you score a goal, right, it's maybe like twenty five percent less because you have that initial euphoria, which is I think it's still the same. Yeah. But then it's it goes a lot quicker. Too quick. Like, yeah. And, you're like, you know, and then you run over there, and it's there's no one there, so it's kind of like. It, it, <laughs> dies off a lot quicker you know it, it definitely does uh, but you, on, when you're playing you can normally hear most of the stuff the players say managers you, you hardly ever hear them um, in a game because just the, they get they're in like almost they're so close to the stands they're part of that background noise so you, you don't sort of pick it up as much um, yeah you, and now there's a lot of screaming that goes on and tackles and uh, you can hear our uh, those kind of stuff a, a little bit more but it's I think because you're so focused, it's it's not as bad as what you as what you'd imagine it to be, sort of thing. Yeah, I, I don't know if you um, I don't know if you've seen it at all. There there was a guy. It was on Twitter, I think, this week. Guy in rugby, the celebration. I think if you if you can catch it, you'd have to sort of talk to the lads about it because I mean you can't get booked for this because there's no crowd there. But what he done was he scored a try and he jumped over and he went and sat in a seat and then. Clapped him like he was the crowd. <laughs> but there's no That's crowd there. You'd have, to, you'd have to talk to the lads and see yeah. if I can get them over there and start... Eh? <laughs> hey? We'd definitely get booked for that. <laughs> 100% that'd be a booking. There's no crowd there, though. You're not inciting no one. What, what you should do is, rather than the goal scorer do it, everyone else running yeah, well, the crowd and yeah. do it. <laughs> I just, I just, I found it, I, it was cracking because he scored this try and he's literally, he's run off and he just got in. He just got in the front seat, and he's just clapping them all. I've got so much time for that. <laughs> um, and that brings us up to sort of now, mate. So, like, you you settled in in mid table. You uh, is it fourteenth um, in the league at yeah, the moment? So, yeah. um, last night weren't weren't the best result for you, mate. But you you're only 10, 10 points off the playoffs. Is it a bit too late now? Do you think, or is that still sort of in, in your eye line no I think it is too late for us I think it's um, I think last night ended it yeah I mean I mean the players the teams in the players are going to win 
four out of the last six, like that's the form of that kind of team in there. So realistically, look at it. We we, we won't be uh, able to get close that gap sort of thing. But we're we sort of had a strange season in a way. It's kind of like new manager and trying to play a different way. And they've they've sold a lot of players this year. Um, I think with COVID and stuff, we've had to balance the books. Like the wage has been slashed nearly in half. Um, so it's just one of those seasons where I think it's like almost clearing the deck season where it's not ideal but you know they've had to move players move on sort of thing yeah and they've had to sort of almost prepare for next summer for for, for what's going to happen so it's, it's it's been good that we've not been involved at one point like we could be involved in like a bit of relegation scrap so it's good that we've sort of come out of that but it'd be nice to sort of finish with the top half of the table sort of finish and a little bit of optimism for, for next year. Yeah, that'd be good, mate. And like you said, with, with Russell Martin coming in as well as his first managerial job, it's a good sort of learning curve for him as well at that level. And he can sort of go again next season with hopefully with all the fans back and have a right good go at it. Um, yeah, yeah, hope so, yeah. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, just to sort of, like, that brings us up to now, but just to sort of close our chat off, I've just got a list of sort of questions based on like your your career. Um, before we actually go on to them, how many years is it you have left to get a double testimonial? And has that ever been done? Uh, I believe it has been done, you know. Has it? I, I think Alvin Martin had one at West Ham. Oh, oh did he really? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm semi-sure. I think Dave is <laughs> boy with MK. I think he did mention it before. Um, no way. But I, I think... Yeah, I kind of think Alvin did. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he might have done. Is it two uh, more years you'd have to do? It would be from 2002, so it'd be, I, I think technically it's from next year. Because it's, I had my one this time late. Ah, gotcha. Because it, it was two years later than it should have been, but right. it, it just the way it worked out sort of thing. So I'm not entirely sure, but... I don't think it's something I probably want to put myself through again. And <laughs> oh, you've got to. That's that's like that that that, that doesn't happen. The double testimonial. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Get us a game. Get on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll come on. I'll be your player coach. I'll come on the pitch for a photo and everything with you. <laughs> um, so then, the the first one I've got is obviously you, you've you've had a. a long career with MK Dons during that time you must have had offers to go elsewhere um, yeah. and how, oh. how close have, have any of them come if if at all sort of thing didn't you nearly get part exchanged Huddersfield wasn't it uh, Huddersfield yeah yeah that was the end of Martin Allen he um so that he Allen, about, wasn't it? The Allen, yeah, I don't know it, typical Martin Allen he, we'd had an argument about a war I think it was Something stupid like that, and, uh, <laughs> and um, we uh, someone rang me and said, "You you going to Huddersfield?" And I said, well, "I'm not." And uh, <laughs> they said, "No, they they put a bid in or something like this." And um, so I felt like, okay, like you know, if he's gonna doesn't want me, I I'll go. And so I, I agreed terms at Huddersfield. Went up there and met the manager and, and agreed terms. And then I'm not sure if. Pavel turned it down. He MK did, yeah. Um, yeah, he turned it down, yeah. And so it, it, it just didn't, it didn't happen. It was, um, it was a bit of a strange, happened really within like a week. Very strange from sort of, 
I played every game and then oh. sort of got a phone calls to say that they, they weren't, weren't used to go sort of thing. So um, that was pretty close. And then um, I agreed with Fulham, agreed terms with Fulham in, what was that, in 2009, I think it was, and that, no, yeah, 2009, just after the League Two season, um, they just got into the Europa League and so they needed a bigger squad for the games that they were going to have and, and whatnot sort of thing. So um, it was going to be like a, a number two. I think Konczewski was in there at the time. Um, and so we'd agreed everything and when they tried to get to Milton Keynes to buy me, they just um, they just priced me out of the move really. They just sort of asked for, I think it was like a million quid for a League One defender, which is uh, is, is just not going to happen, sort of thing. So it, yeah. it just never, it just never happened, really. And they were sort of the two closest. I mean, you speak to clubs, or they speak to you sometimes. And you now, would you fancy this? Or would you fancy that bit? You know, until they put a bid in, it's all, it's all really irrelevant. It's all just yeah. talking. Yeah. And Did that have been Hodgson at the time. It was, yeah, it was Roy, yeah. You won't end up signing. Uh, John Reese's brother, they signed instead. Um, he was one that went there instead, sort of thing. So it's always, I've always been fine, but I've always, you know, I've signed contracts um, willingly, and you have to accept that it goes both ways. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, when you're not playing well, you expect to be paid. And when someone wants to make, you want to leave, it's, uh, you know, you sign that contract and, Fair play. you know, with the stuff with Fulham, I never, I never put in a transfer request or, or kicked off it was just like well you know you win some you lose some sometimes and uh, you have to respect what you've signed or, or don't sign it so it was just uh, just one of those things yeah your old man would have loved that though surely <laughs> yeah it would have been a bit, a bit strange working for him wouldn't it, it, it yeah I'm, I'm it didn't happen in the end because <laughs> it was uh, he phoned me and said like listen don't play that much for you son <laughs> yeah not that, yeah we were nowhere near that so uh, he rang me and said about going and he said that they basically done all their scouting behind his back and my name come up and they sort of kept it from him so he wasn't sort of involved in it and at the last minute they said listen Dean's on the top of the list for the second choice left back are you okay working with him and he said yes and he said to me are you okay and I was like well yeah if you are um, <laughs> but as it turns out I think it's probably a good thing that it never happened because yeah. you, you, no, you can just tell you're only there because your dad, you know, you, you know what's coming and you'll get, you yeah. it yeah. kind of, it saved me from that and it saved him from me being in the changing room and that awkwardness with other players not trusting you because you're going home and you're with your family. Yeah. yeah, so it's, in, in a way, I think it was probably, a, it was probably the best thing yeah. that it didn't happen. Yeah, that could probably be awkward, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, Right, so first one after that is uh, best player you've played with? Uh, it, probably, yeah, Delhi. I think, I think Delhi closely, closely behind would be, would be Keith Andrews, I think. But I think, uh, yeah, Del was just, he had that little bit of star, star quality that you don't really see at sort of the lower level sort of thing. So I think, I think probably Delhi, yeah. It's the wrong answer. It's Patrick Bamford, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best player you've played against? Uh, Hazard. Uh, he, he was at Chelsea. Uh, we played in the FA Cup. And uh, 
I'm pretty sure he was in second gear, but even second gear, it was like playing against the ghost. You just couldn't get near the fellow. It was, it was incredible. Um, real eye-opener of how good the top players are. Um, it was just one of them players. You just, whatever you did, he just, he had everything to beat you no matter what you tried. He was, he was, um, he was, you know, in, incredible. And uh, as I said, he's probably playing at half pace in that game as well. So, uh, he was, uh, he was, yeah, easily the best player. He was immense at Chelsea, wasn't he? He's uh, yeah, he was he one of the most amazing sort of like from a standing position, could just go to hundred mile an hour. Yeah, like, acceleration. Oh, and then he's gone, and it was like, yeah, and he's tiny as well. Like in the game, in the tunnel, you're thinking, I can't believe how small he is. Like he's gonna smash he's it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm letting like everyone early. Like his <laughs> shoulders are like tiny. He's really small. But like when the ball comes in, he, he put his foot on the ball, and if you felt because he was so quick, you had to almost guess which way he was going to go, and he could just feel you. So if you went early left, he would just turn right and gone, and vice versa. And so you just couldn't. There was no way of getting close to him. He was so he's that first five yards. He was so quick. You had to gamble, yeah. and he knew which way he was going to gamble, and he just he went the other way in the end. You just left him alone and hoped someone else dealt with him. It was just like. <laughs> Just jockey, just jockey. Yeah, jockey from twenty yards away. Just <laughs> <laughs> love that. It'd be feigning injury and every oh, all the hammy yeah. feels a bit tight. <laughs> um, who's the most underrated player you've ever played with? Um, underrated. You know what? I think Pat probably comes into that category. I think there'd be, oh, I could list a few players for you, but you would have no idea who they are. <laughs> they are you know. um, I played with a lot of players who probably deserved a better career than what they had. Um, yeah. But for whatever reason, it just didn't happen from. But in terms of his actual quality, I think Pat's probably out there with being a lot better than, than what maybe people have thought for a long time up until. Well, it's only Love. now, isn't it? Yeah. He's getting that. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty Pat's good. Decent. Um, the worst trainer? Worst trainer? I was talking about any of that, actually. Uh, Adam Smith, he's at Bournemouth now. Oh, yeah, the right uh, back. Yeah. The right back, yeah. He went him on loan from Tottenham. And I, I just, I love him. He's, he's a great bloke. Really funny. Um <laughs> But the geezer don't move in training. He was uh, like when we first signed him, I, I was sort of looking to Carl thinking, like, who is this kid? Like, he's useless. Um, like he just didn't run, he didn't part, like, didn't do anything. And then um we got him in the first game, he just scored he scored a goal from about 40 yards against Rochdale. Having looking like YouTube is unbelievable, it's incredible strike. And he did it about three times that season. Um, but you could never guess in training, he would try it, it would go and it would go anywhere um, but in the game he was he was incredible but training absolutely don't know when yours in some players can just turn it on in the game like yeah yeah how, how players make it as well because managers yeah. make such a big thing out of training yeah like how do you get the opportunity to sort of yeah. and there must yeah. have been, over the years there must be so many players that are like that that shit in training and just never get the chance and they, yeah. all you know, they could be like world beaters once they get on the pitch. Yeah, I don't know. If it was much of it. it was like he came from Tottenham and he wasn't really 
wanting to be with us or whether he was nervous or whether he was he needed that adrenaline to play well. Like some players do need that edge. Yeah. They don't know, like in training, they're not interested in this. There's that kind of competitiveness to it. Um, but, you know, he was a great player. He was, you know, he played at a really good level for, for all his career. But when he, when he first saw him in training, you would you would not have said it to be fair. He was a... He was definitely not one for training. <laughs> um, hardest player you've played with? Hardest player? I, I'd probably say Keith. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was that weird hard way. He wouldn't shout. <laughs> just He just had a stare about him. Just like... Like someone would go into him and he'd, he would just stare at them and you, you just knew it was coming. Like, he just, uh, yeah, and he was fair. Like, you know, there's people that are like hard, but they, they just basically hack. It's not fair. It's just, uh, you know, yeah. Just, yeah, you're kicking someone. It's not, that's not tough. Um, yeah. Like, Keith was, he would tackle you properly. Um, and he had that edge, like, in training, like, he was the one, like, if someone nutmegged him, he'd have you by the throat and, like, like you just, you know, one of the players just didn't mess with. He had like a, a different side to him. Um, yeah, he was, he was a tough lad. That's mad. He don't show that on his pun victory, does he? <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Clean cut. <look. laughs> <laughs> um, hardest player you played against? Oh, dear. Um, it could be some one of the League Two centre halves. I think one of those big old meatheads. Uh, yeah. Harry Maguire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's like it's him. Uh, I don't think it would be, you know. Um, I'm trying to think, a striker, he always really was that Tom Pope at Port Vale. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate. He, He's decent. He used, jump and, he used to jump in your head, like, back stick cross, you knew it was coming, he just used to jump and, obviously, he was tough, but he wasn't, he's not hard, hard. Uh, Maybe Morgan, remember the old Sheffield United centre half? Yeah, Chris Morgan, yeah. He was like, he was he was a tough bloke, he was pretty no nonsense. He was a dirty um, bastard and all. Yeah, he, he could have it to be fair. He'd done Ian Hume, didn't he? Yeah, he had, yeah, he fractured his skull, didn't he? Yeah. Um he, he was just like when then you don't really see it as much now, but like that kind of breeder centre half that old school, yeah. Old school sort of, <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, I I go for him, he was pretty um yeah, he was pretty he was pretty tough. I heard Humey actually tell a story about that. He said, like, the, the next year or something, when he first made, like, got back on the pitch, he played against him. And he said he was, like, so unapologetic. Basically, you deserved it, type thing. And he <laughs> said he, he came over to him at the start of the game and, like, put his arm around him and that and basically said in his ear, I'm only doing this for the cameras. Off you go, sort of thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, like, proper fucking over <laughs> the belt, mate. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> biggest diva you've played with? Uh, trying to think. There's not been many. They don't really get many in League One, League Two. It's not. Uh, it's not really happening. Um, I can't really think of anyone that we've had that's been too bad. Hmm. I think it was the lone boys that we have. So we have yeah, none of the big boys. You know what? I, I can't honestly think of anyone that's been... That's good, mate. That's been outrageously uh, 
Actually, no. Michael McIndoe. Michael Kellyan, the old left winger. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Um, he was, he was, uh, <clears throat> he, yeah. he got to me before the start of the game once and said, listen, when you get the ball, just pass it to me. <laughs> when, because when I get it, beat two players and cross it, someone scores. Where, he said like, where did, where did the move start? And I'd be like, what do you mean? He was like, where did it start? And I was, he was like, you started that move by giving the ball to me. He was like, I'll get you a move if you keep passing me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it never happened. He never beat anyone. But um, and every time he got subbed, apparently he used to come down and like 80 minutes ago and sit on the bench. And he'd be like, I don't understand why he's taking me off. I was just getting warmed up. It was just like, <laughs> Marco, it's the 80th, it's the 80th minute, mate. He's like beating him once. But he was, he was, yeah, he was, he was a little bit, and he had, he wanted to be treated a certain way, like expected, like food and uh, sort of. A higher standard than probably what we were giving him, sort of things like, yeah, Michael Macken, Macken, that. that is brilliant. <laughs> um, funny man, uh, Kev Gallum, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's uh, he's good fun, Kev, to be fair, he's good fun, he's like in around the place, like slightly probably old school now in terms of what you can do, um, but he was sort of he was very funny on the night out as well. He's He's, he's good value to be fair. That's class. Fucking hell, he scored some goals, didn't he, in his day? Yeah, Mate, he was a proper player. It was yeah. that injury killed him, but yeah, he was a good player. 100%. Um, in regards to the managers you've had, who was the best when they took part in training? Uh, NC Wire. Yeah? NC was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh, he, yeah, he used to smash you in training. He was, he'd have a go at you. Um, I mean, I always grew up thinking that Paul Wentz was like a break play up tackler. Um, but he was, he was good. He was really good. And he'd have most days you used to wage someone to like a volley challenge. You'd have five volleys with your left, five of your right from about 20 yards out. And he would, well, he'd, he'd win most weeks to be fair. Like he, wow. he was, he was a good player and a lot better than I, than I ever thought he was when he was playing. I had him down as a bit of a, you know, win the ball and give it to someone better sort of thing but he was uh, <laughs> he was he was very good yeah that's class it's, it's becoming a bit of a trend here Greg with uh, managers and their volleys Ben Turner yeah. was the same with Nigel Clough he, said he, Nigel was, Clough. he was like they a professional vol- volleyer yeah. he said they all, <laughs> seem, they all seem to be ex-Liverpool mate yeah. <laughs> bit of a trend here <laughs> Eddie would just like for hours in training he'd get like a youth team goalie and just set up volleys he'd just be doing volleys for hours oh, yeah. <laughs> one see, yeah. time, him and his assistant done their top off because they were doing so many volleys <laughs> top off just sunning themselves volleying the ball in the net apparently yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking quality um, in regards to initiation songs who's the best singer you've seen or heard uh, I think we've, had some, we've had some pretty confident lads down the years. It's become so it's become so popular this now that everyone's sort of prepared. In the old days, it was yeah, it was a bit you know it was a bit more daunting. I think everyone has to do it now, so it's not less so. Um, They're practicing it now, aren't they? Yeah, Andros has got a hell of a voice, hasn't he? Andros is yeah, he was okay. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of boys that can sing. I think I think. Do you know a boy called 
We called him Jet. J. Emmanuel Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's playing he, up in Scotland now, isn't he? Yeah, I think it's, it's at Motherwell or something like that, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought you were going to say him for the diva, to be honest. No, he was good. No, he was good to be fair. Yeah, he was. He was a good lad. Um, he he sang. I think he rapped a song for about. I think we had to stop. Tell him to stop doing it. He was just. <laughs> he wanted to carry on, and everyone was just like, "No, you're done." Sort of thing. But he was. He was good, and he was. He was confident. Like he actually enjoyed doing it. I think so. I'd probably say Jet. Decent. Fair play to him. <laughs> I love um, that, by the way, Jet. <laughs> yeah, it's quality, isn't it? <laughs> um, this one is sort of a a, a double ended question. So you can answer it however however you want, both ways if you want. Um, biggest dick you've ever played with? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Of, uh, God, there's been a few few serious weapons. To be fair. Um, <laughs> I'll say probably Joby. Joby McEnough. Yeah. Yeah. He's the loveliest bloke in the world. So, um, but <laughs> yep. the other yeah. reason then. <laughs> yeah, what a Joby lad. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Where's the little ones and all, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the little ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, next one is best Christmas party in your career and why? Uh, probably Ince's year we managed to wangle uh, Barcelona um, so we had two days two days in Barcelona um, it, it was just obviously being abroad um, and just obviously being in a different country like the first day we did a whole day down a beach bar and then the club and then I think the next day we went, went to the Hard Rock Cafe and some of the lads wanted to do a a tour of the new camp. Yeah. Um, so they went and when they come back, they got the old Eggie Boff for about six hours because it just wasn't acceptable to go. Oh. <laughs> on, your Christmas, on your Christmas day, you can't go to a, a tour of another ground. So uh, <laughs> they got absolutely just sidewashed for like half a day. Um, but Barca was obviously like, a very good city and the nightlife was amazing. And What was the stadium like then? <laughs> no idea. No idea. <laughs> I had zero interest in going to a bloody football stadium. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think just we've done Ireland a few times, but everyone goes, a lot of teams go Ireland and Newcastle and like all the big cities. But I think to actually get away and be in a foreign country, I think, is yeah, Barcelona. Class. Um, and then last one, mate. Who, who, are your, who are your closest mates in the game? And can you get any of them for us on here? This is mate. Uh, I'd probably say uh, Dave Mines. <laughs> Sorry, mate. They've gone too far now. They're, they're too big time now. <laughs> um, probably Dave Martin. Oh, really? Yeah, so I speak to Dave quite a lot. Um, oh, we're scheduling a youth team at Wimbledon, so he was he was a year below me. So. Um, Where's he at now? Is he still at West Ham? Yeah, he's at West Ham, yeah. He's still at West Ham, so from sort of 14, Dave. Um, all the way through sort of things so we've sort of wow. kept in contact the whole time um, and then still speak to Smithy um, still speak to him quite a bit and stuff so there's, there's a few it's I mean, as the years go by you sort of uh, you sort of lose contact and 100% yeah it's, 
it's hard it's like with everyone you move around the country and, and whatnot sort of thing so but yeah I'd probably say probably Dave and Smithy and there's a boy at MK called Dean Bowditch oh yeah he's yeah Bowditch yeah. Stuff. Um, still close. he still works at the club so I'm still, still pretty close to him he's a quality player Dean Bowditch was yeah he's a good player yeah he was yeah but um, yeah Dean absolutely well, mate. brilliant mate really really appreciate you coming on that was class no, thoroughly enjoyed yeah, it mate. so um, no yeah, everyone who's watching on YouTube, um, slap a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. And um, for the audio listeners, uh, make sure you rate and review on any of your podcast platforms. So, yeah, until next time, guys, all the best. Cheers, Dean.